Welcome to All The Things Podcast. I'm Regina Lawrence, your host. I'm a lawyer turned soulful business strategist and transformational mindset coach. I'm also the founder of the community, All The Things Business. I've created a community of women who can truly be all the things, successful, spiritual, sexual, and wildly unique, all while creating a life of purpose and passion according to our own rules. We don't have to look or be a person that societal norms dictate anymore. We don't have to play by somebody else's rules. We can be whoever we want to be, and that person can be all the things in one. Each week, I'll bring you episodes where we dive deep into business, entrepreneurship, and a whole host of topics to help us dive into who we truly are so that we can really be all the things. Welcome to my podcast. Hey guys, I know that starting a business can be really complicated, confusing, scary, and there's so many moments when you're starting your business or when you're pivoting your business, you feel really, really confused and like you have no one to talk to. I totally understand that because when I started my coaching business, I felt like I didn't know what I was doing. I felt like I tried a million things and I would hit dead ends and I would just try and try and try and try. Luckily, I was able to figure it out, but I had to take the long way. And that is exactly why I am the business coach that I am, because I've tried and I've tried and I've tried all of the things, and I know what works in creating, scaling, and pivoting your online and coaching business. If you are needing a friend, if you are needing a coach and somebody to hold your hand through this crazy process of growing your business online, schedule a free 30-minute virtual coffee chat with me. Go to my website, reginalawrence.com, and click Schedule a Virtual Coffee Chat, and we can hop on and talk about one particular issue in your business that you are struggling with right now, and by the end of that 30 minutes, I promise you that you will have a solution. Once again, it's www.reginalawrence.com, and click Schedule a Virtual Coffee Chat. I cannot wait to talk to you and help you unravel anything you are struggling with in your business right now. Enjoy this episode. Welcome back to another episode of All The Things Podcast. I am your host, Regina Lawrence. And this week, I am excited to share with you my friend who went from an actor to a youth pastor to a storytelling coach. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. This week, we have my brilliant friend, Alex Street, on the podcast, and I'm so excited for you to get to connect with and learn about Alex and hear his story. So Alex is a story-focused communication coach, and his brilliance is helping you share your story and connect with your audience. So if you are an online entrepreneur, if you are a coach like I am, and you are struggling to share your story, to show up on video, to share your story and copy, you must listen to this episode and connect with Alex. Alex has a really interesting background. He was a youth worker. He was an actor. He was a public speaker for two decades. Cat's out of the bag, Alex. You weren't just a youth worker. You were a youth pastor. He specializes in blending storytelling, captivating content, and a powerful performance has set him apart as a speaker and a coach for audiences of all kinds. And you will hear it on the podcast Alex is such a great storyteller. He has such a great voice to listen to speak. I think that's from all the years of acting and speaking in front of people. He's also the host of the Fearless Speakers Academy and the Make Speaking Magical video course. 
He also has his master's in theology, which is so interesting. You'll hear about his journey from being a youth pastor and how not that long ago, he transitioned out of that life and that world and into what he's doing now. He's so funny and so genuine. And I'm so excited for you guys to connect with him and to hear him. If you're interested in connecting with him further, go follow him on Instagram at street says with that. I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Okay. So Alex, when I think of you, I think of storyteller. How did you become such a great storyteller? Okay. That's like, <laughs> I think just saying that right off the bat is one of the biggest compliments. If that can be, you know, the thing that the label that people see me as when I walk in a room, they think storyteller right there. Like that oh. is a, man, that is a good, good thing to be known as. I love that. I truly that means, appreciate that. That means you're doing a really good job with your branding and your marketing, dude. <laughs> Come on. Even before I met, even before I connected with you, I was like, oh, Alex Street, he teaches people how to tell their stories. He's the storyteller. Brilliant. I love that. I receive that. Thank you. I grew up in a storytelling family. That's what it is. My, so my, my dad and my mom, they both, I mean, they lived such a phenomenal story as it is. I'm trying to dig up their, more and more of their story so that I can truly tell it. But they were, they both lived in England, um, different towns, didn't know each other. My mom was an actress. Uh, worked in the West End London, which is like Broadway uh, over there. And then had a friend in Toronto and moved over here to work on a show as an understudy and ended up staying at like 18 years old, moved away from home to pursue her dream of acting. My dad was a photographer in England and moved over here at 20 years old because for some reason there was more opportunity in Toronto than there was in London. I don't know what that is, Interesting. but he did it. And he then started a 40-year career as a world-round, mostly ballet photographer and all kinds of stuff. So I see this as my mom told stories on stage. My dad told stories through film. Mm. And I saw it everywhere and heard it everywhere and eventually grew up mostly in the theater. So I drifted towards, you know, the stage, the performer kind of storyteller. And I just saw it everywhere. I saw everything. I wanted to know how it worked. I wanted to know how the actual theater worked, how that whole process worked, what all of that was. And then I started to like live with my dad and my parents split and I live with my dad and then started to hear how he like saw what photography was. I thought it was a click, make them smile, click the camera and his process of no, 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 what this means, this, why this frame is better than this frame and hearing the story that he was pulling out of that shaped something in me to where I, I started to, to become a great storyteller before I even thought of wanting to be that or do that. Or it just sort of came out of me where I was taking over the room telling stories. It was how you learned how to communicate, right? I think so. Yeah. To see, and this is what I, I see my dad, he, he had an opportunity and an ability to pull people's personalities out of them. You know, so he would go and snap a photo of the most solemn, serene, like tough CEO in the business who didn't want to smile for anybody. And he would get them to crack for the split second and snap the photo at that moment to get their personality to shine through. And, and now I see, well, that's exactly what I'm doing with people today is helping pull who they are out of them in ways that they don't even see in themselves. And it, it's like, 
it's a gift that was given to me that people did to me. They saw something in me that I didn't see in myself and now being able to do that in other people. And I think that's kind of this, you know, to get really deep on what storytelling is, that's what it is, is pulling the story out of someone that they don't even see in themselves. So um, that's why I, I think I do it this way. And then to go to the acting side, you know, it's, it's building a character and you don't just read a script, you get to know the character. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're trying to do in our life is try to know who we are, try to get to know our character better. Yeah. So, so you went from being an actor and I know that you shared this with me. Now you're a coach, but will you share with everybody the journey from acting to now coaching? What what did you do that really, really honed in your ability to tell story the way that you do? Yeah. Yeah. Cause that's it. So all through high school, I I was always going to be an actor. That's it. It was just, that was the road. It was win an Oscar by the time I'm 21. No doubt. Like it's happening. It's going to be there. So after high school, I just moved downtown Toronto to um, live with my brother and try to get an agent and do the whole starving artist thing, you know, serve tables and try to get somewhere. I, I actually got an opportunity to act on stage with my mom that year, which is one of the most like precious moments of my life now. Um, just share the stage and feel the laughs and be on. Oh man, it's so good to go back to that moment. And so to go through that and feel like, okay, this is the road. Um, And then, believe it or not, it was like really difficult (laughs) to find success. It was? Uh No way. (laughs) (laughs) So move away from support systems. Uh, I mean, with my my brother and, and, and still, but like all friends were, they weren't far away, but just far enough away. And it just was it just wasn't for me. And so then someone suggested my friend was out West, uh, Western Canada and said, Hey, you should come out to school with me. And he was at Bible college. And I was like, what am I going to do there? He's like, I don't know, youth ministry. I was like, okay, that sounds good. And it was just, it was nothing but a clear sense of direction and purpose that otherwise was, I was failing on the one that I had. But youth ministry, like, was that something that, like, did you grow up in a spiritual family? Like, how did you, well, like, why would yeah. you take youth ministry? I know, not at all. So I started to come to the church at, like, 16 years old because because there was a girl there. Of course. Who, incidentally, is now my wife of 15 oh, years. So, <laughs> so it can work sometimes, but uh, so I wouldn't funny. suggest the missionary dating thing. Um. So yeah, started like I just sort of that was my breaking away from my parents even was no, we didn't grow up in that home. We didn't have that kind of home. But for me to find my own identity and friendships and all kinds of stuff, that was the route that I went, uh, which is probably for some parents are like, I'll pick that over like the drinking drugs partying route any day. So go for it. Um, so I was in it for a few years already volunteering as a leader in the youth group. I fa- I had my first opportunities to to speak to a crowd in that group at 17 years old, you know, the youth pastor brought me up and said, do you want to speak? Do you want to speak next week? And I was like, ah, okay. And all those teenage, you know, tracks playing in my head saying, you're not good enough. You're an idiot. Why are you doing this? And I did it. And, and it sucked. And then he said afterwards, do you want to try again? And at that moment I was like, oh, I can speak to people. Yeah. So at 17 years old, this acting bug, this performance bug then turned into like a, uh, not only performing, but an, an inspirational, mm-hmm. oper- not just entertainment, but inspiration. Yeah. And so that was now forming. 
And then to take that into, okay, so now I'm an actor. And then to have this idea, wow, I could go to school for youth ministry was like, sure, of course, that's natural. That's Mm -hmm. kind of what's been, you know, under the surface all along anyways, or for the last few years in these identity forming years. So let's go for that and see what happens there. And then I go to school and like, while I'm there, I still do the acting. Like I was on stage a few times for different plays. I got the, the drama award while I was there. So there was this real like duality of, of, of identity going on in those few years. And then even for the next few years, while I was, I then became a youth pastor uh, at the same church that I started at here. And, and even in those years, you know, Christmas productions, I'm in it, I'm directing it. Like I'm all involved as much as I possibly can using my performance. Wow. Um, But then, and the storytelling, like it's all weaving through, right? Because then the storytelling, you're like, I'm up there and I get to stand in front of a group of, be it middle schoolers, high schoolers, uh, young adults, adults, the whole congregation. I'm tasked with the, the opportunity to take the greatest story ever told. They say you take the scriptures and these stories that have been told at nauseum mm-hmm. at times. How am I going to tell this story that everybody has heard and tell it in a fresh way that can inspire somebody to change tomorrow? Yeah. That was the, the joy and the fun. And again, that real challenge of storytelling that I got to see in that, in those opportunities. So, so through those like 20s, like my whole acting, speaking, storytelling, all of this was forming and being used and intertwining and all over the place, all within this really, really safe community um, that we called church. Mm. And then how long were you a pastor for? Yeah, so it was like I, I started there at 21 and then just uh, left five years ago. So it was about 12 years um, that I was in that role. And again, right, so working predominantly with middle schoolers, um, that was my my niche. I don't know if it was just because I was the only one who would. But it's like I was running into the fire when everyone was running out. Um, but I loved it. I loved the formative years. I loved the, uh, the, the joy, the fun, the silliness that was there. But then also to then get in the room and talk to their parents two days later. Yeah. It's like, what an opportunity to help shape uh, how people think about themselves. And again, right? I think what I loved most about middle school was they're at this such fragile stage where they're moving from concrete thought into abstract thought, mm-hmm. trying to figure out who am I and where do I belong in this world? Kind of 11 to 14 years old, these critical formative years. And I get to step in there as a safe person to say, here's what I see in you. Mm-hmm. you. You should do something with that. Cause it could be something. Yeah. And that like, that's just that to me while, I mean, while that might've been forming something in them, it was always also forming something in me to see that this is what I'm here to do. I'm here to help help others see in themselves what they don't see. After being a youth pastor for 12 years, what was the next thing that you did in your career? Yeah. So that was the fun part, I think. So we're there, like that's our comfortable place. And this is the thing, a lot of your listeners will will associate or like recognize themselves in this story where you do the thing that you're supposed to do that you go to school for, you get into that, you do it for a decade and then something goes, wait, was there something, did I miss something? Was there something deeper in this? Um, and so it was actually for me, it was about, it was eight years ago, uh, my mom got sick. So my mom who has been my role model that whole time 
the, the woman that I aspire to be like, true love, I see everything in her. She gets really sick, stage four stomach cancer. And after five weeks, I'm saying goodbye. Okay. And so in that, I'm like the pastor who's supposed to, like the pastor of the family. Mm-hmm. I'm the one who's supposed to keep everybody calm and kind of here's all the hope and here's how we pray for this. And I was like, what is going on here? Mm-hmm. Um, and found myself not, I wasn't questioning the whole thing, but I was definitely just yearning for simplicity Yeah. in, in my own faith. So again, you're going to have people listening to this that are, see the, see whatever their faith is, their faith story that they grew up with. And it's just so complicated. And, and what I yearned for was just something more simple, something that really came back to like faith, hope, and love. Can we stick there? Mm-hmm. And, and not get lost in all the details. And then as I saw that and saw peace creep in, then I was like, oh my goodness, mm-hmm. there's something so much re- more real and bigger here than I have been handed. Yeah. And so it really sparked this like, what else am I supposed to do? Mm-hmm. I know that I've got these gifts and I can use that in this space very well. I understand that. But what if there's a wider calling for me to do what I'm made for. Because I can do that here, absolutely, and succeed and help some people. But what if there's more? Mm-hmm. There's a bigger way. Um, there's a bigger path, a bigger plan. And so we just started to say, okay, I think we're done. I think we're done here. I guess we'll wait for the phone call. I guess that's how God works. Like, we'll just say, okay, God, we're done. Um, you know that already, because, you know, <laughs> God. Yeah. And then, so... Some other place is going to call us up. And then the phone call never came. And then we were like, okay, I guess I got to take the charge here. And so we quit with nothing on the other side. We're just like, this is it. This has been my only church. This has been my, my wife was there since second grade. Um, This has been my only career. The only thing I know how to do. And yet we were absolutely sure we're done. Yeah. So let's go. So then leave there. I mean, your question was, what did I do after that? So we left there and I needed something. People were like, where, do you do, where are you going after this? You know, you've got this church family that, that believes in you, that you've influenced, that you've inspired for years, had an impact on, and they care. They're like, where are you going from here? I was like, ah, no, nowhere. <laughs> and it's like somebody breaking up with you and not for like, no, you're just like, no, nah, this just isn't right. Totally. Like, but, yeah, but, right? Yeah, yeah. And also just like something I love about what you said is like, you were like, all right, God, like, where's the phone call? Like, we'll make the move when you do the thing. But I find that like when we speak out to God or the divine or however the listeners identify Mm -hmm. that entity or being, like we often have to take the action for things to happen. Like we have to take a step before we'll see the new door open and uh, for the abundance to flow in. And it's funny how I could teach that for like 10 years Mm -hmm. and then truly be faced with it and go, oh, 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 okay. Oh, I see. All right. I got to do this thing. And it was like, there was immediate freedom yeah. in doing that, um, in taking that charge. And, and then again, we're like, okay, so what do we do? So I went to school. I just, I went back to school to do my master's in theological studies. Cause I was like, it's the only thing I know. Yeah. <laughs> again, I guess I'll go back to that and do that. And maybe there's a, another role as a pastor in the future. I have no idea, but it's, if nothing else, for me, it was, for me, it was really a theological journey. It's trying to figure out who God is in this world and what's my place within it, within that story. And 
so for me, it was actually like this movement towards like, well, maybe there's an opportunity that this can give, but also this is going to give me an opportunity to understand how I think about the world mm. um, and what's beyond the world. So I just went into that and then did my master's in a couple of years and, and got that. So now I can talk about theology, I guess. And it was like, I, so here we are, except Wait, I don't. So you go into yeah. your master's and like your, one of your questions going in is like, who is God? And like, mm -hmm. what does this all mean? What was the answer that came out of your master's? What did you, yeah. how did you, how did it shape your view of God and the divine and of all the things that are? I love it. Uh, so I would say very quickly, my main thing was I looked at, I mean, I, yeah, so it's, I, I was in an evangelical Christian church and Baptist specifically, so pretty conservative. And then really what I, what I needed answers on was how did we get here? How did we get to this version of this, which is we're raising money to buy chairs on Sunday morning to fill this place instead of like going to the needy? How did we get here? So that was my main question was just straight up like Christian history. How did this happen? And as I got into that, it was almost like these like, facades started to break down and these these barriers that had been built up so easily for me started to crumble and I started to see that there was not only a bigger world out there but but a lot more shared language than I thought that there was mm -hmm. and so I started to see my version of God how I saw God how I saw Christ mm -hmm. as part of a shared spiritual discovery and journey that so many of us are on mm -hmm. and if anything we're talking about the same thing just with a few different words totally yeah. so it's it was the most bizarre thing where i go from this really it was this box that i needed to be formed in mm -hmm. that i needed that formation um i needed to to be constructed i needed some sort of semblance there but then i i had this deconstruction mm -hmm. And then over the last few years, it's really been this rebuilding of something that it's definitely not done. Mm -mm. Um, I, and I don't know that it ever will be done. It's almost like it's going to be like a constant under construction kind of thing that is, it's fascinating. And so I just see that it's, so what was my, what I come out with? I came out with this, this feeling that like, okay, this is not like we're part of something bigger, which I always knew I was always something, there's always something bigger going on. It's so interesting. It's your journey from like the formation to the deconstruction to the recreation. Yeah. It's so similar to mine because I grew up like the dogma, the theology, the philosophy. That yeah. shaped me, right? And then there was the deconstruction. And like, it was interesting. My deconstruction, I, I spent five years in a partnership with a guy and he identified as like pretty much atheist, like very scientifically based thinking. Uh -huh. and he had so much kindness and so much love for humanity that I had never really seen in a Christian or a Catholic. Like we lived yeah. in the city and we would come back from the bar with pizza and he would get extra pizza and leave it out on the stoop for the homeless people. Yeah. And I was like, You're, you have so much love and compassion for humanity. And then that really started to make me question that moment with him. I was like, you don't know God in the way that I was taught to know God, but you love humanity in a way that so many people don't. And like that yeah. relationship made me re question everything and like you reconstruct yeah. it. Yeah.
That's fascinating. I love that you can pinpoint it to that very moment. Mm-hmm. I have more of a general, like I, I, I remember looking at my mom and that was it. I would even like before she got sick or anything, I, I always looked at her and like, she never proclaimed any religion. She was always sort of anti it because her mom, her dad died really early and she blamed God for it and all this stuff. But my mom showed, so there's this verse about the, the fruit of the spirit, yeah. peace, love, patience, kindness. Um, and she consistently demonstrated those things mm-hmm. more than, you know, if it was a measurement, more than most people that were in my close circle. And so I would, yeah, I, I went like, okay, so if she's demonstrating these fruit of the spirit. That means that there must be some spirit present in her. Mm-hmm. There, there is some love. There's love in, and if God is love, then God is in. Like it was just this. Like we've we've categorized these things, yeah, and put people into these lines that that seems neat and seems clean and seems clear until it's not. Until you're faced with that. But wait, that is true, real love for another human mm-hmm. that you don't know. There's he's not going to give you anything in return. So why, like you find yourself, that's what I found myself asking the exact same question. What, why are you doing that? Yeah. (laughs) And when the response is because we, because we're humans, what do you mean? Why am I, because he's hungry. Totally. Like my ex-boyfriend, like he didn't believe in heaven or hell. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't like he was worried that he had to do the right thing for the afterlife. It was like, no, like this is how we share in humanity and we care for the environment in a certain way. And we care for yeah. humans in a certain way. And I was just like, wow. Your, yeah. in, your intention and how you live your life is so different than how I live mine. And yeah. I need to understand it. That's it's fascinating. And, and I think that's it. So I kind of me going to school to, to do my master's, I, I learned about that. But I think I learned, I learned that. I learned sort of the bigness of, of it all, that the, the shared humanity in in that story and in in well in our human story is really something to be uh, admired and, and understood and and worked through and again so it's always about the story for me right so it's always how do we get here well there's a story in that that's that's being told and now we can still tell the story of like okay so how do we move forward mm-hmm. together and that's that's where i'm at now is trying to be a part of that to be a more you know um, to join people together to help them see their role in the current story being told. Totally. So after you get your master's, what's the next yeah. thing you do? Yeah. So I, while I was in that, I, I got a role as a, um, as part of a mission organization. So there's this worldwide organization called Youth for Christ. And um, there's one in the Toronto chapters, Youth Unlimited. And, and I, got involved with them to specifically, cause I was like, I know I'm supposed to be a speaker. I just don't know how or where that's going to happen. How do I do that? How do I get on stages? And so there's a role there specifically as a leadership facilitator to help, you know, young teens to really develop their leadership skills. But specifically I'm going to get up and I'm going to do workshops. I'm going to create and deliver workshops. I'm like, this is a sweet spot. Fantastic. But it was a friggin' as a mission organization. So I had to raise my own money. And like my own salary and that Regina, that brought up wild money mindset issues that I had no idea I had. As soon as now I have to go and ask for people for money, it brought up all kinds of stuff about how 
like my dad had to ask me for money when he went broke, he went bankrupt. And that's all that I knew about him and how much I resented that and all that. It's just amazing how like I step into that thing to serve other people and to kind of create this beautiful partnership. And yet it was like stirring up stuff inside. Yeah. Right. So what did you, how did you move through that and process the money mindset triggering that was going on? I had to acknowledge it. Yeah. I think that was it. I mean, straight up like in the office with my boss crying because it was so difficult for me. Mm-hmm. And yet at the same time, I'm a young white male. It was wildly easy, too easy for me to, for people to give me money to do a thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I had to kind of hold that on one hand and go like, all right, I get this. But just for me, the thing that's going on inside me, it's really difficult. So how do we deal with this? Um, and so that's what, there was this real weird, again, tension even in that. And how do I balance that? But it was, it was addressing that. Um, I couldn't physically apologize to my dad. My dad had passed away by then or, or forgive my dad. But, um, there was a lot of, a lot of journaling forgiveness, Yeah, you know, um, for that and the life that I grew up in. And, and then some of the, some of the beliefs that I that were then formed for me, that there will never be enough money, that, that we need to hold on tight, that, that there's a scarcity, that mm-hmm. all of this, um, that if someone's giving me a gift, I owe them something, all of that, that I just had to acknowledge yeah. and, and let go of. And, and really, I mean, act through. It wasn't just letting go of, it was I acknowledge this. And in order to, to get through that, I have to act through it. Mm-hmm. I have to do something. I have to talk to this person and ask them to support me. Uh-huh. Right. So there's that fear that is so boldly in my face. Yeah. And the only to. way to get past it is to go into it. Oh my gosh. Your fear was coming up and it was literally your job to face it and to move through exactly. it. Yeah. Exactly. And it was, <laughs> yeah, it was exactly. They're like, no, yeah. Okay. So you've got, you've got donor meetings today. All right, go for it. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. But no, I just want to be on stage. Like the amount of times I said, I just want to do the work. Why do I have to go and? So I know some people thrive in that. They love that. They love the partnership and all that. It was really, really tough for me to be in that, in that position and in that role. And brought up all kinds of things um, for me while at the same time doing like, this is great. I just get to go around the city and, and speak to teenagers. Yeah. Uh, this is fantastic. But then eventually it was like, no, that's, there's still something being held back here. Um, I took on another role at another church, kind of on a distant thing to study specifically young adults and their role in the church and kind of what's going on there. And so really focused a lot on 18 to 25 year olds and did a whole year long study just with that. And that sparked something within me about like, wow, I really care about these people and how our, how our culture is treating them and how they fit into our culture and how they're going to really shape our culture. And nobody's really listening to it. So what do we do about that? So in all these different opportunities, like what I've seen since leaving the church, there's been all these different things that have shown up that have just been bits, chunks, pieces that have taught me something about who I am to now be even more confident to sit before anybody now and say like, oh yeah, okay, I hear what's going on there or I can help you with that. Yeah. Or I simply wouldn't have been able to um, eight years ago, six years ago. Totally. At 18 months ago. I don't know. 
at when after you took on that role where you were um, raising money and speaking, where did you go next? Yeah, so that was so that was my last job. Last job, okay. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, that- so that was last Jan- January twenty nineteen was when I finished there. Okay, so then what was the? Sh- how did you jump into owning your own business and being a coach from that last job? Mm-hmm. So, so this was the, I knew what I was going to, I knew that there was going to be something speaker, coach. I don't know what that is, but I'm going to go and do that. And this is again, that messy jump time where it was, okay. I, like we did before when we left that church with nothing on the other side, we're doing it again. We're leaving this role and which is only a halftime thing. And we're asking for people to pay our salary for us. We're leaving that to go to nothing. Here we go. And dipping into savings where like, that's how we're going to live through, survive through this year because there's something here. I just have no idea what it is, but I need the space to find it. Mm. And it was in that, as soon as that happened, it probably took about a month to really kind of go, what the hell am I doing? Mm-hmm. Who am I? What did I just do? Yeah. What am I doing to my family? I've got three kids right? Again, wife of, I've been married 15 years. I got a 14 year old, 11 year old, an eight year old. So we're not messing around here. And yet we're, it feels like we're messing around. We're just like going with whatever feels good in the moment. Mm-hmm. But it's because it's right. It's like, this is what we're being called to. So then I just start to explore that. And, okay. What is that? And how do I form this? And I guess I'm going to be a life coach. So let me build that out. And how do I do that? How do I start a coaching business? How do I, do I get free clients? Do I just practice this thing? I, what do I do? How do I do that? And all along the way, it was just trying, 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 trying something new. And there's lots in that, that you can ask whatever questions you want to, but it was really just about going from nothing to, I guess I start with the little that I've got right here. Well, and I love that you just said that, like, it was like trying this and trying that, like trying different things. Because I think a lot of times people think, especially in the world of coaching, like you decide to like turn on the sign and that you're open for business and that you know exactly what you do and how you do it. And then you just have clients. Yeah. But the thing I'm always talking about is like that niche is constantly shifting and molding and changing as you learn more. So for you, what was that like transition, pivot, shift? period like for you okay so (laughs) i mean you're just it's so real and i'm just like yeah that whole shift is it's still happening it's it's phenomenal but um i think right off the bat kind of last spring i was like okay i'm gonna coach specifically young adults because that's what i just kind of came out of and so how can i help them through this like time of discovery what am i supposed to do what's my career in life so i'll help people to discover and do what they're made for. All right, great. Let's do that. And then as I try to build that up and then try to, I'm trying to form, how am I going to get on stage? How am I going to get on more stages specifically in like a corporate setting? That's where I want to be because that's where the money and the opportunity is. How do I do that? Break out of the ministry roles, all that. And then I, I had a conversation with a friend of mine who owns a branding organization and he sat me down. He's like, you have no idea. Cause I asked, I was like, help me figure out my, what, I'm, what my thing is. He's like, you don't know what your thing is. <laughs> you don't know what your target is. So I come at him. I'm like, I'm speaking, I'm coaching. And he's like, you don't know. Which one is it? 
because it's totally different things that you're talking about. And he's like, actually, why don't you go into organizations and tell them, teach them about Generation Z? Because that's what you're an expert in. Mm -hmm. That's what you've been doing for 15 years is working with this generation. Why don't you go in there and do that? You're on stage. So then I was like, bing, like light bulb. Okay, great. Shift completely. Wow. That's what I'm going to do. That's where the money's going to be. That's where the coaching's going to be. I'm going to go and like consult with companies, started this business, Gen Z matters. I'm going to do this thing and truly just encourage. I'm going to um, educate. I'm going to advocate for this generation. I'm going to just blow the roof off this thing and be like a speaker at major conferences talking about how to work with this next generation. Yeah. Podcast, everything. Last September, I started, I went to Fast Foundations Mastermind with Chris and Lori. Yeah. And I get up there and my first intro holding the mic, I'm like, so my name is Alex. My business is Gen Z Matters. First of all, I was terrified to say anything about youth ministry. Because if I'm going to be in the world of like, you know, the secular world, the corporate setting, whatever, the coaching world, nobody's going to respect a ministry background. Mm -hmm. And if I really, if I go into this, well, then anybody that knew me from the ministry background isn't going to respect me anymore because they're going to think that I've, I've lost it. I've you're lost the plot. I lose the, exactly. <laughs> so now I'm, I'm at this, I'm going to lose their respect and I'm not going to get their respect. You're a weird Christian or you're a sellout. Brilliant. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm standing up in the front of the room. First one up there. It's first day of intros. Oh, There's 50 Alex, entrepreneurs. Alex Street, you were number one for the 90 Boom. second hot seat. Boom. Even before that, I think just add, to add to the story, it was in West Hollywood. So I like the first session, I'm in LA for the first time in my life. Remember, um, wanted to be an actor. I got a scooter and I explored the Hollywood strip like a freaking tourist, like <laughs> the camera on my neck. Totally. I was soaking it in, yeah. imagining myself on that walk of fame. Like that's the mindset I was in was like the life that I could have had or wished for or something. Then to step into this hotel with all these weird people that I don't know who I automatically think are more successful than me Always. in every realm of life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so I'm the only one who doesn't know what he's doing in the room. And we get 10 minutes, Chris and Lori intro the thing. And they're like, all right, we're going to do introductions. So we're going to go, uh, let's do alphabetical. Alex Street. I was like, oh, <laughs> you did not. <laughs> and yet, like within that 12 seconds, walking from my seat up to the front, you click. Like you get an opportunity, I think, mm-hmm. in those moments where you're faced with, okay, this is where you actually are meant to shine. Yeah. And I could have gone up there and, you know, shat the bed and just sort of, uh, I don't know what I'm doing. Look, it's hard to be the first one asked to speak on this. So maybe give me some extra time or come back. Instead, I went full performer, have to do this, get your game on. Here we go. And stood up there with confidence and talked about my business, which I had no idea what it was. Mm-hmm. Gen Z matters. I'm helping organizations do this thing. Uh, I'm an expert on that because I worked as a youth pastor for 15 years. And immediately I was like, oh, you idiot. But <laughs> that's it. And then sat down and everything. And like within minutes afterwards, people were like, thank you for setting the bar so high. Like what a start. That was amazing. Mm-hmm. So it's just all those things 
prepare you for any one of those moments where you're called upon to now do the thing that you're here to do. And it's an opportunity, even if it's just a small thing in a small space, a, a safe space like that. Yeah. It was just such a, an opportunity to do truly what I made to do, which was speak and give other people confidence to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. I just so did how- it while talking about <laughs> this weird <laughs> other business. <laughs> but so that was, so a year ago, that's what you started off saying or thinking you wanted to do. Mm-hmm. You transitioned to something similar, but very different. Yeah. 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 So I'm in that and thinking this is the thing. And yet I don't know how to make this happen. So I'm trying to build that. And then within two days, like, I mean, even at that, this is, it's such a turning point that that mastermind was such a turning point for me where people just took me aside and said, why don't you talk about your experience as youth pastor? That's where your power is. You got to speak to people twice a week for how for 10 years. That's you. That's your ten thousand hours. You're a speaker. What are you doing? Yeah. Why don't you help people communicate? Uh-huh. I was like, yeah, I know. I've kind of thought about that. Like, what you, <laughs> act on it. Do the thing. What are yeah. you afraid of? And I mean, that's it, right? What am I afraid of? Well, it's the thing that I've always known that I should do. And if I do this and it fails, then who the hell am I? Mm-hmm. And that's right. You know that. What's Very. the that's the scariest thing you could face. That's this really scary moment when you, and then you know you're at that moment, like, this is what I'm here to do. Yeah. And if I fuck this up, like, yeah. what am I here for? Yeah. yeah. But then as I did it, people start responding. As I said, okay, this is what I'm here for. I'll do some free speaker coaching. Let me just do, like, let me help you kind of form your story or work through your problems or something, like, just making it up again as I go. But I can speak about this forever. So let's get on a phone call and do it. As I do that, then people are responding saying, wow, that's what I needed. Thank you. You pulled something out of me. I'm going, what? Wait. So now the thing that people were saying in that church, you know, any given Sunday, someone would come up and say, wow, that was so powerful. Thank you so much. And you take it for what it is. It's beautiful and something. Then you go out of that place into a completely new environment, completely new expectations. So I thought. And people are responding in the same way. Mm-hmm. What it did for me was completely affirm all the gifts that I knew that I had all along, mm-hmm. but in a much wider scale. Yeah. So these things that I thought only belonged in one specific box, now I was seeing could be wide open and work for just about anybody. Yeah. Like that was the power of last winter, last yeah. fall. This is nine months ago we're talking. Like this is... 10 months to fresh. Um, and so then just started to shift into that and go look, okay, so what is that? I don't know what that is. How do I build this thing? I'm still brand new. How do I, now I've got a whole other direction. Do I just let go of this thing that I've been building for a year? And like, I hired somebody on a team to help me build Gen Z matters. Well, I guess now I have to let her go. Like, what does that look like? How does that shift? And, and then COVID hit. And then I go, well, I'm not going to any businesses anytime soon to talk <laughs> about things. Not only are that going to bring me in and have a gathering, but nobody, no, it's not a business in the world that cares about talking about the future mm-hmm. generations when they're just trying to figure out how to pay their employees right now. So, yeah. so I got to pivot fast. And I just asked myself, I journaled, what's the thing that I could talk about every single day for the rest of my life? And it was so very clearly, let's talk about performance. Let's talk about speaking. Mm-hmm. Let's dive into it. Let's talk about storytelling. 
and then just went for it. And as you were sitting here and you start the conversation, Alex, I think of you as a storyteller. Mm-hmm. I would say that is specifically six months worth of branding of yeah. identifying in that way. Um, that that's why you began with that. Yeah. If you were to say what, like, what's your, what's your niche statement or your elevator pitch? Like, what do you do? Yeah. I help you pull your story out of you and communicate it with confidence Mm -hmm. to connect with your audience. And so I will, so specifically working right with entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, online coaches right now, um, people who are in it alone Mm -hmm. and are just like, I can do a thing and I've got kind of a background in it, or here's my story that brought me to this moment. And yet people are, they're still talking about their services more than how they got here. The part that's actually going to connect with people. Well, and the beautiful thing about what you're doing and how you're serving is that it, as time goes on, it can grow and expand because storytelling applies Mm -hmm. to every single industry especially when some sort of sales are involved. Yeah. So like you could literally work with trial attorneys and teach litigators how to tell story in court. Right. You could work with like doctors on how to build rapport through sharing vulnerability and story. Like it literally applies to everything. So genius. Wow. Yeah. Well, I love that. And we talked a little bit ago and you telling me how you use story so strategically, so intentionally as an attorney yes. to, to connect to him. It's always, it's always about emotion. This goes back to Aristotle. He would say, you know, it's pathos. It's an emotional connection. And, and that pathos is usually created through storytelling. Yeah. And so you're trying to build an emotional connection with the jury or the judge or whoever you're, mm-hmm. you're working with. So let's tell a story. Let's form that into some sort of story structure some sort of arc beginning, middle and end mm-hmm. and bring them into it. You're right. Yeah. There's it's endless. That's literally endless. Yeah. And re, and yet there's this weirdness. I mean, again, to be, what else am I going to be but vulnerable on here and, and, and honest. Um, there is this doubt that still hangs in the balance for me that says, yeah, but like, isn't everybody talking about story? Isn't everybody talking about storytelling just because Donald Miller wrote a book called Story Brand, right? And then you go, like, let's say, so then you've got, now everyone's like, oh yeah, I get it. My brand needs a story. Okay, great. Mm-hmm. And now here I come saying, let me help you tell your story. And and it it's just, I just say this to say like, because I know that everybody has this same fear. Mm-hmm. And the thing is that fear it very well can keep me from showing up. Yeah. It can stop me because I fear that I'm not going to be as good as them. It's not going to be as powerful or this book has already been written. Mm -hmm. So what am I doing? What right do I have to show up in this space? I just better not show up. And the truth, right? We know that that's a lie. We know that that's fear speaking. Yeah. And that's not what love says. So what would love say to that instead? Love would say, yeah, but we haven't heard it from you. Right. Um, and you're completely, you, you don't need to be as good as them. Mm-hmm. You just need to be as good as you. Right. 
And so that's, that's my daily thing. So as much as like as powerful as this product might be, or this ability might be to see story, to pull it out, it's, it's literally, it's been in my blood all my life growing up. There's still that fear creeping in that says, yeah, but what if they don't like you? Or what if it, you know, what if you're not good enough? It's still here. We all have it. We all have it in our businesses as entrepreneurs. And I don't know anybody that doesn't have it in anything that we do. There's like, oh, this other person's doing it. Oh, Mm -hmm. Donald Miller is teaching story brand. But like for you, like that's just further validation that that's what people want. If people are buying story brand, that means they're starting to wake up to the fact that story is so important. Yeah. That they're going to be more receptive to you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And what I love, I mean, not to harp on, on Don, but like this, what like that approach is such a, like, here we are, we know who we are. And now let's take that forward to the, to the audience. What I do. And because again, because of my story, because it's what I've been doing all along is really focus on. Yeah. But okay. Let's get to know you first Yeah. before you take this out to your audience. How do we get to know you mm-hmm. and how you got here? Cause that's going to make you a million times more confident in why you're doing this and why it matters for you to take it out to your audience. Totally. Yeah. He's stepped. So, he's a later step because if you don't yeah, know I think so. who you are and tap into your own, like I love story brand. I teach story brand mm-hmm. students, but like they work with me one-on-one to figure out yeah. how to even do it. So it's the same thing with you. Like yeah. you pull it out of them because it's not intuitive for most people to tell us, tell their story. Cause the thing, why do that, you think that is? I think that we don't, we're always comparing ourselves to other people and we don't think that our story is as powerful as someone else's. It's mm-hmm. like trauma, okay? So like people will talk about their trauma and or like I'll talk to clients about their childhoods and because like they weren't locked in a room, starved, they think like, I don't have trauma. Well, like you could have like a passive aggressive parent and there's, yeah. tra- there's degrees of trauma, right? The same thing applies to our stories. We think, we as humans often think that those pivotal moments that transformed our lives in childhood and our formative years are not that special. But when we learn how to put it into words and articulate it and describe the scene and figure out how to articulate the feelings and the emotions, we could literally be talking about eating a sandwich Mm -hmm. and it could be powerful or it could be like, we could put somebody in that moment, but we don't think that our stories are that special. Yeah which is, I think you nailed it. That's bang on. Yeah. It's, it's putting it in the, the, that same camp as trauma and how we, we articulate that. I think it's, I hate, I mean, it's, it almost makes me smile though and giggle when I'm talking to someone they're like, yeah, but I, my story just isn't good enough. Or my, I don't have a good story. I worked with one guy who said, yeah, I don't have a dope story. <laughs> that just always <laughs> sticks in my head. And I just, that's it. Right. I just like, yeah, what a, what a load of crap. Like, that's it's what just, I, would teach. I would teach. I would ask my law students this question when I taught them how to write opening and closing statements. I would say like, who, who loves to, who's a good storyteller and nobody would mm-hmm. raise their hands. And I would like, who tells really good stories drunk at the bar with their friends? And like everybody raised their hands. And I said, yeah. why do you tell really good drunk stories? Because like you're in the moment, you're uninhibited. You're like telling them about this girl and what happened and, yeah, yeah. and that happened. And I said, the same way you tell your drunk stories at the bar, 
let's bring that into the courtroom and like describe, like feel the moment, describe the moment, like paint a picture. Wow. And yeah. still, you're just in the courtroom mm-hmm. and not in a bar with your buddies. <laughs> you have a bunch of students like taking shots before, <laughs> before courts and session. Listen, Professor Lawrence's <laughs> class, things would fly, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I, I, I think that's it. I, I like to think of parents as well. Those of us, um, you know, as parents or even you have nieces, nephews, if you've ever read a, a storybook to a kid, yeah. you slip into storytelling mode really quickly, really easily. You start to put on voices um, yeah. before you even know that you are. And some of, you, some of us just slip more naturally into that. But we're all, if you've done that, then you are a storyteller. And, and we do it with children because we know that they're not going to judge us. Come on. Yeah, they love it. Yeah. Before you get into it, no matter how terrible that Irish brogue is that you're putting on for the story, <laughs> they don't care. They're like, you're in character. This is so good. Like, because we don't feel like we're going to be judged by children. That hits me because I'm reading Harry Potter right now to my <laughs> youngest and, and just doing all the voice. I got Hagrid, he's uh, Hermione. Come on now, Hermione. That's so. like the guy I'm dating is going through all of Harry Potter with him, his son and he's doing all the voices and I'm hearing it Brilliant. at night putting him to bed. I'm like, this is so good. It's so good. Like, that's it. I, I first read it to my wife like that. Like it was just, we sat on the couch and we did the whole series and I did the whole, all the voices. I don't know if maybe that's a, I don't know. <laughs> that's hilarious. I think that's it. And that's, that's it. We're, we're, we're much more natural storytellers than, than we give ourselves credit for. And, and we all have it within us. Um, it, it's, as soon as you let go of comparing whether you're a great storyteller compared to somebody else. Mm-hmm. What I love about storytelling specifically in business in, in any way, really, if you want to be remembered, just tell a good story. Mm-hmm. It doesn't even have to be a great story. No. Just tell a good story and the brain clicks. It remembers. Remember. The story. Yeah. What do you teach? So a lot of people who listen to the podcast are business owners, entrepreneurs, fresh new entrepreneurs that mm-hmm. I work with. And we work on storytelling. And a lot of them have that thought, like, I don't have a story to tell, or I'm not a good storyteller. What is the very first thing that you do with somebody who is telling that story to themselves that I don't have a good story to tell? Yeah. I mean, I mean this is my most and this is the greatest joy for me in this role is helping them see it, helping them see their eyes, see the eyes light up. And too many people, I'll go through that and I'll say, wow, Alex, you're so good. I can't believe you. Found-. I was like, all that I did was find that, but it's your story. Mm-hmm. Like be amazed right now at your story that I just told you. I just repeated back to you. And so I, I, I take my clients, I take everybody through a really simple process to discover your transformation story. And I think where people are looking so much for like, yeah, but I need like this really big thing. Really what you need is a from and a to. Yeah. I, I, I went from this to this. Mm-hmm. And then the, the tricky part for a lot of people is, yeah, but how do I find that? Mm-hmm. You know, where is that? Where is that in my life? And I like to, you know, you picture an arc, like a rainbow. Yeah. And then kind of split into three sections. And along that arc, you know, on the one side would be who I was, then in the middle would be what happened. And on the other side would be who I am. And so many of us are saying, I don't have a good story because all that you're doing is talking about who you are right now, who I am. Mm -hmm. This is who I am. You know, I'm a storyteller. I'm a a communication coach. Come work with me because I'll help you communicate with confidence. Mm -hmm. Great. 
that might find some people that might connect with people. And then I'll go forward and I'll say like, yeah, but I don't really have a, a story about that. And then you dig a little bit further. You say, yeah, okay, well, what made you get to this point? Mm-hmm. And then I would go back to what happened. And I'd say, well, I mean, really, I guess it was a conversation with my mom a few days before she passed away that made me realize that communication is about more than just a transfer of information, but like you create a moment that matters in people's lives that, that help form stories in their lives that shape our world. That's what, that's the gift that we have. Mm-hmm. Something clicked there eight years ago that shifted me out of the old role I was in into this and more specifically, even then the fast foundations moment was really what happened to get me here. Then I go back to, okay, well, if that was the what happened, then let's go back further. Who was I before that moment? Mm. And that's where I would tell you about my parents and about, uh, you know, wanting to be an actor, left turn into youth ministry, finding all these opportunities in youth ministry, always trying to figure out where do I belong? What do I do with these gifts? Leave that role, still searching for it. Boom, hit fast foundations. And somebody says that that's where your power is. Mm. Now I know. I'm supposed to be a communication coach and help other people tell their story. Yeah. I went from a powerless performer to a confident communicator and I can help you do the same thing. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where I'm telling you this, Regina, because that's the same journey that anybody listening can go on as well. Okay. Start with where you are and just work backwards. And then before you know it, you've got a transformation that is incredibly captivating. Mm-hmm. And it literally applies to every single entrepreneur and business owner listening. And like something I've always been talking about people who I consult with for their brands is on their website and they have their about me and about their business. And yeah. they will often have this really sterile thing. Mm-hmm. Like I worked with a woman who's a mom and she started this marketing firm because she wanted to be home with her baby and be a mompreneur and do both things and all the stuff. And her about me was like this sterile black and white. We're a marketing firm and we do this. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, where's your story? Like, <laughs> like where is your whole story about like being a professional and becoming a mom and wanting to raise your baby? And she was like, should that be on there? Oh, like, man. oh my God. Yeah. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Because the thing is, for her, and this is this is the truth that she needs to hear. Someone like that, and anybody that's listening, that's like that, that says, "I know I've got a, I know that I know I've got that story, but I'm much more comfortable just putting up my services up there." The thing is, people are going to find you and want to work with you because they're going to identify with who you were yeah. and aspire to be who you are. Absolutely. And the and the authority that you have is to say, "I've been on that journey." and can now also take you on that journey. Mm-hmm. Because so often what we're doing as, as entrepreneurs, as online coaches, is really just speaking to an older version of ourselves. Absolutely. And so the more that you can understand that story, the more you know who your actual client is. Totally. And that's, so for her, right? She's gonna thrive in a market speaking to other moms in that same situation, helping them explode mm-hmm. just like she is. Totally. Cause they'll see her story and they'll think like, I know you, I know your story because I am your story and I trust yeah. you because I am your story. Exactly. So I want to you. Exactly. And what's really interesting about this though, like as I'm doing that, my, most of my clients are women a few years older than me. Okay. 
So it's not even that specific of like, yes, I'm that man who's been through that story. I get that. I, I was in ministry. Like it's, it's not that specific. It's people identifying with the, yeah, I'm scared to show up. It's people identifying. Which is what I truly was. It's people identifying with the pain. Like I work, exactly. with, I work with a lot of men, male entrepreneurs, because there we go. they identify with the pain of what I was, what my former life was like. You know, mm-hmm. and they're like, oh, you get me. I want to work with you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Isn't that fascinating? And then that's, and, and again, for me coming from a background where it's even like pretty strict around that, like be careful, you know, working with mm-hmm. going out for coffee with a woman, like it's that sort of like, yeah. I don't know, what's that going to be like? What's that? What message does that send? Um, just breaking out of that to be in a place to say, oh yeah, the power is in the shared story. Totally. Uh, across all boundaries, across all beliefs, across countries, genders, anything. It's a shared story that we're in and how can I help you through that? How do people work with you now? How do you work with clients? Yeah, so good. So so predominantly one-on-one uh, coaches. So it's like this, right? Over Zoom and we, dig, we dive in and, and figure out what's your story? How does that clarify your message? And then how do you deliver that message? Mm-hmm. Kind of a three session package that we do um, work through that. And then, so there's one-on-one stuff there and I'm actually launching this weekend for what it's worth, whenever this is, but right now uh, the Fearless Speakers Academy, which is a six week group coaching course, bringing people through that to really crush their fears and, and show up. So those are a lot of people feeling like I know I've got a message and I just need to identify this fear and move past it. Mm-hmm. And that's, we do that work together as a, as a community. And it's incredibly powerful to see people journey through that together. So at this point, right. So one-on-one options, there's the group coaching and it's, it's just powerful to see people embrace their story and, and turn it into a, a strong message. And your speaker academy, that's something I know that enrollment is closing this week. So by the time people mm-hmm. do it, it'll be closed. But it's something that you offer on, like, it, it's not a one-time thing. You'll do it again, I'm assuming. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. there will be, yeah, there'll be a spring, a winter course, a spring course. Yeah, this, this will be, there's just so much, such a need for it. This will be an ongoing uh, opportunity for sure. Beautiful. So where yeah. do you hang out online? Where can people find you? Pimp yourself out. Yeah. Instagram's the main place. That's where I hang out. That's where I talk to people, super active in DMs and everything. Just love the actual social part of social media. And that's, that's my homeland is the IG. And then um, alexstreet.ca is the site that's got all it is about me and an about me page that hopefully has a, a story that's strong enough to impress Regina. And I'll let you know. I feel hopeful. I feel hopeful, but I'll let you know. (laughs) I feel incredibly insecure at this moment. This is good. (laughs) Oh, and uh, yeah. So that's it. So the website and and Instagram is the main place. At Street says. At Street says. That's what I thought. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. All right, guys. So go slide on over into Alex's DMs, chat with him about one-on-one coaching. If you're interested in his group coaching course, still slide into his DMs, let him know, say hello, tell him that you heard him on the podcast. Thank you so much for being a guest today. This was so fun. This is so good. Can I say you are a fantastic conversationalist? I just think that's, that's what's so good. You're truly listening to what I'm saying 
if I'm out, you know, when I'm going off course, you bring it back. You really want to make sure that we follow kind of a good story here today. And so thank you so much for, for keeping this thing alive and really uh, making it, it interesting. <laughs> thank you for that compliment. I so appreciate it from such a storyteller. And I'm so thankful to have you here and to get to share your genius with my audience. So I appreciate you. It's great. My pleasure. Awesome. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as we loved recording it. Please take a screenshot of the episode and share it on your stories and tag me and Alex. We would love to see your support and hear what your favorite parts of the episode was today. With that, I love you guys. Have such a beautiful week and I will see you next week. Guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you loved what you heard, I would be beyond thankful if you would share this podcast on your Instagram story and share with me what about the episode with me or with my guests that you loved. Also, please remember if you love this podcast to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes so that you don't miss out on all of the incredible guests and topics that we have lined up for you during this crazy year. And as always, if there is ever a guest or a topic or anything you would like for me and a guest to discuss, just shoot me a DM on Instagram at Regina A. Lawrence. Lots of love, guys.